Live from Salt Lake City, this is Heart of the Matter, where we do all we can to worship God in spirit and truth. And we have a very special guest with us tonight, Brielle Decker Blanchart. Is that correct? Yes. And uh, what a story we're going to hear. What an opportunity. I think this will probably be part one of, uh, of two, perhaps three parts. It just depends. And uh, so I want to welcome you and thank you for taking the time to find this place that's hidden and to uh, visit with us. I just want to encourage you to completely relax. You are among friends. There's no trick questions. Uh, everything that you want to bring forward, feel free to bring forward. If I, bring, if I ask you something, Brielle, that you don't like, say, don't feel like answering that. Don't feel pressure from me. I have no agenda with what we talk about. I just want to, you to be able to unfold. However, that being said, I will uh, listen to you and I might interject and, and stop you and ask you some things as we go to kind of uh, flesh out the whole story or whatever. And once I'm done with going to the board for a second, we'll, um, I would love for you to start going back to not just your parents, but if you, if you can briefly with grandparents, then mom and dad, and then we'll talk about siblings and you, and we'll just work chronologically from there. One last thing, I want to thank you so much because I know you just lost a grandfather. Yes. And you drove, uh, or Steve drove, both of you drove like madmen <laughs> down to St. George. You uh, went to the funeral, was it today? Yes, at one o'clock today. At one o'clock in St. George, the funeral, and then you sped back up here, which is at least a four and a half hour trip, at least. Uh, to get back here uh, to do the show. So I am so grateful uh, for that. I also want to thank Christy Johnson for recommending that we contact you. And, uh, and she's, of course, been on the show, and her story is very influential with women and things like that. So anyway, thank you. Let me go to the board real quick, and I'll be right back. Okay. All right, if we're going to talk about uh, the FLDS church or uh, the FLDS way, it's really important, I think, that we understand um, Mormonism writ large, uh, because Mormonism started back, and what this is, this is not a, some critical path for an electronics. The Mormon church prides itself in saying, we are the true church. Uh, look at the uh, Protestant denominations. There's 30,000 of them, for God's sake. We've, we are just the true church. We've always been the same. Well, all these little dots represent two or three different branches of the Latter-day Saint faith. Now, I just drew this one. This represents Joseph Smith's life to this point, 18, uh, church life, 1825 about to 1844. And then when Brigham Young took over, we started having these offshoots. And I didn't want to go into tonight's show to list them all and talk about them. But the one I really want you to understand is we have the primary LDS church. I say primary only because it's the biggest and wealthiest. That's the only reason. I refuse to call these, even though I just did offshoots or sex, because um, they're all essentially expressions of Mormonism. They're just all expressions of different ways that people have interpreted what old Joseph Smith started and what Brigham Young propagated and changed as he went forward. 
So, but the, the, the important thing, like we have the Church of Christ down here, and we have all these other segments up here, but when we get to about 1920, we get to this green line. And this green line was a group of people who said, I'm not going to go too much into their history, but it was started by, they were originally called the Council of Friends. And the Council of Friends started off right here, and it was started by this guy named Woolsey, and he said, we're going to practice polygamy. Brigham Young caved on this line here. Brigham Young said, no, we're not going to practice polygamy, so Utah can have statehood. And Woolsey said, we're going to branch off and we're going to keep Mormonism pure and true to Joseph Smith's original intention. And so that goes up here and it branches off into all these different sects of, uh, or expressions of Joseph Smith's Mormonism. Down there at 2019, we have another uh, expression that just popped up by a guy named Denver Snuffer. Snuffer has Snufferites, they're called. And they are here in the state right now, and they are having an expression of, of Mormonism or the LDS faith themselves. Well, the Council of Friends, we have the Latter-day Church of Christ, that's Kingston's. We have the Apostolic United Brethren, that's all this green line, and that's Rulon Allred. We have the Fundamentalist Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Leroy Johnson, we have the Church of the Firstborn of the Fullness of Times, LeBaron, we have the Church of the Firstborn, another LeBaron, we have the Church of Jesus Christ in, in Solemn Assembly, that's Alex Joseph, we have the Church of the Firstborn of the Lamb of God, that's Everell LeBaron, we have the Church of the New Covenant of Christ, that's John Bryant, we have the Righteous Branch of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Righteous Branch. That's a bold title. That's from Gerald Peterson Sr. We have the Sons Amen Israel. That's David Israel. School of the Prophets, Robert Crossfield. We have Centennial Park, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in the Kingdom of God. Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in the Last Days. Church of the Firstborn of the General Assembly of Heaven. And the Church of Jesus Christ Original Doctrine, Winston Blackmore. They all say we're the true church. Understand there's the idiocy in it. We're the true church. The second thing is they say, we want to practice polygamy. That's the green line. All of them say we need to practice plural marriage. The third thing they say is Jesus is coming back. They're, they're saying, you got to be ready. You got to be ready. He's going to come back and we want to be ready, right? And, and I'm pretty sure that's what FLDS are still about. And then the church is always led by men with authority. Men who claim the authority of God to take God's word and bring it to the people and have them understand what he wants them to know about Jesus and God in these latter days. So, that being said, I've sufficiently terrified my sweet little guest here. <laughs> Let's talk about what happened with you go back grandma and grandpa how did you get into this place that's going to blow people's mind once we get to it okay um my my grandfather that just died was fought in the world war ii and he in his funeral today they talked about how he didn't even know about god when he was fighting in the war and he came back and 
uh, he got out of the war after a time, and he was so desperate for something because he saw so much stuff that when he was introduced to FLDS, he was so hungry to know something like that. And he accepted the church um, when my mother was four years old. How old was your grandpa then, do you know? I don't know how. Okay, and where, were they, where was he living, in Utah somewhere? I think it wasn't in Utah, but it was someplace like, they had somebody he met that was a friend okay. he was working with or something. And your mom was four at the time. My mother was four, yes. I call her mother because I get adopted later and I call her mom. The FLDS has us call our parents father and mother. Got it. So my adopted parents are mom and dad. Okay. So just to segue off that for a second, there's no mom, dad, where's my sweater in the FLDS? No, there's... It's respectful. It's all children. You can't say kids. Everything is really dictated. Okay. Like, but um, my other grandparents, um, my father's parents, he was born into the religion. Okay. And he, I don't know the story of his, his parents before that, but um, I know that my, my, great, my great grandmother, I think, was born into it too. Okay. So, but my grandparents were kicked out of the church when, when I was like 13. Okay. So because of not, we don't know all the reasons, but so they weren't like really, really strict. All right. And so my father had some of that in him where he, 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 he was strict, but not, not like most parents hmm. from FLDS. And so my mother was really strict and my father was more like family guy. Hmm. And um, they were an appointed marriage from Leroy Johnson. So Leroy Johnson, he was the prophet seer revelator. Yes. Of the FLDS church when your parents were uh, courting. Well, they... they he, Not courting. They didn't court. They went through a church line shaking hands and he pulled them both aside and said, you're going to get married. How romantic. <laughs> my heart is just beating. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know the whole story, but I do know they didn't date. They didn't even, they had barely heard each other's names. Oh. Like they didn't really even know each other. So um, that leads to my story, which is at 18 years old. Before you get to that, how many siblings, are, uh, did oh, yeah. mom and dad, and did dad have other wives? He had two. My father had two okay. when I was 13. That, that was a significant year because my grandparents got kicked out and then we got a new, I got a new mother. So when you were 13. It was my mother's niece. Your mother's niece. Yes. I'm, I'm just confused already. <laughs> that thing on the board. So your mother's niece became your dad's second wife. How old was she when she joined? Do you know? She, she well... Because of my mother's family, so my brother was younger than my mother. So he, he was probably like not even born when, the, when my grandparents joined the church. Okay. And so then it's his daughter who was born into the okay. religion. Yeah. So, and was your mom, because she was more stalwart in the faith, she was fine with the second one? Did she? She prayed for it. 
She prayed for it. Before it ever came. So she, we were all prepped that, um, that we needed another wife because in polygamy, they teach that it's a higher law, it's harder to live, so there's going to be more people who struggle in it, but also it's, it's seen as a privilege, like you're supposed to see it as sacred and, privilege, and a privilege because you need a certain amount of wives to be able to make it into the highest degree of glory in the celestial kingdom. And that's not, just for our audience, that's not some thing they created. That was taught. That's real Mormonism, you know. If it wasn't for the U.S. government getting in, they would still be practicing it. And we'll talk about that later. Um, you're 13. Do you have any other siblings from yes, mom my, number one? Um, I'm number 11 of 14. Number 11 of 14. So I'm one of the younger ones. And, and how did dad and mom provide for you growing up in your home? I was, well, I heard stories of my older sister and brothers. They had a lot harder time than I did. Mm. By the time I came, I was kind of spoiled, I would say. It's <laughs> always that way. I was one of the younger ones. You had the video games. <laughs> well, we didn't have, they couldn't allow certain things. The church out banned television when I was like nine. So they didn't have any television. They didn't have video games like for my whole life. Like wow. it was all banned. The internet was banned about the time after I was married. So Books banned? Books started to get banned. They were saying they had to all be homemade from the church. Wow. Now, what city are you living in with mom and dad and your 14 siblings? Or 14? I was born in Sandy, Utah. So, so right here. So this was here, going on in Sandy. It was. But when the Olympics came, Warren Jeffs took that, took it, took that opportunity to say that the people with without the faith, were coming to this city. So everybody that had the faith needed to move. So mm. he took them all down to the Southern Utah mm. when I was 16. So uh, did you, were you uh, educated in public schools or all home? All home school. Mm. I did get my GED after I escaped. Good for you. <laughs> I've heard some people joke around about like, even if they did go to high school, the diplomas were not recognized mm. by the state. So you'd still have to get a GED. Got it. Did, uh, when you're living here in Sandy, it was probably a large house with all those family members. It was a house that my father built. Father built. And it had like six rooms and mm -hmm. it was pretty big, but mm -hmm. it wasn't as big as some families are. Mm -hmm. Some families are really big. Um, and then where was church held? Where were your meetings? Held? Yeah, Alta Academy. The is, Academy. I don't know if you've ever heard about the Academy where Warren Jeffs was the principal. He was my principal till I was in sixth grade. Was he as strict as they say he was? I've read that he was strict and a disciplinarian. He was strict. And I remember my mother commenting, when he has his own kids get that age, he's not going to be as strict. Mm, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. And it, and it was true. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> hilarious. You are delightful. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is great. So um, you're 13. You're in Sandy. I'm thinking yeah. that you're out in Hilldale. You're in Sandy, Utah. Yeah. Did you shop? Did you go shopping the stores? I did. I had more than what the children get nowadays, because the children nowadays have they're under Warren Jeff. So when I was growing up, it was his father that was the leader, Ruland Jeffs, Ruland, right. who was the who. It's what was Larry Johnson, then Ruland Jeffs, and then Warren. 
Um, so when I was growing up, it was real and Jeff. So it wasn't as it is now. Mm. Like they just progress more and more and more. Um, that's typical for all of these groups. Mm-hmm. But um, I did go to the stores, and that was one thing that I always comment about is the people in Sandy, Utah, gave me hope because they didn't. They were smiling at me. They were telling me my hair was beautiful. They were. Even though we were dressed different, we had we had uniform type clothes and mm. long hair with big, you know, waves and braids and we couldn't cut our hair and, you know, different things. But um, people would treat us nice, even though the church was telling us they were dangerous and bad and stuff. I just had something inside of me say, it doesn't seem like that, you wow. know, but I didn't I couldn't express that until when I got into crisis later in my life, I was like. I don't think the world's as bad as they think they are. Wow. So uh, isn't that encouraging for people? Really, it's encouraging for people of all faiths to treat everybody kindly all the time, compliment them, and be friendly with people who are uh, different and or look different, because it's that love that helps break down the barriers and boundaries in someone's heart. Right. You know, had you been teased for the way you dressed or looked, you would have been, they are evil, right? Yeah, you would have believed more of what you heard in uh-huh. church. And there's a fine line because, like, people have to take certain paths in their lives always. But, like, when when we think of our family that's still in there, we want to give them leeway. And we understand that when we got out, we needed that. Mm. But there's a line also of truth mm-hmm. where you don't want to allow evil. Mm-hmm. And it depends if you go into an activist field like I have mm-hmm. and um, think of a big picture for the children and, you know, for another cause. A lot of people just come out and say, we don't want to hurt our family, so we aren't going to talk. Mm-hmm. We aren't going to do anything. And that's understandable. Mm-hmm. It's just I'm an activist and I'm like, I, I saw so many children. It wasn't, you know, it's not going to benefit as many people. Mm-hmm to hide the truth of what I know and and um, still allow as much leeway as I can because I try to tell the truth. But. So it's like Emerson said, peace if possible, but truth always. Yeah. And so when you're engaged with people as an activist, uh, would you say an activist against? I'm an for? activist for trauma. An activist for trauma. Okay. Yes, because I think that a lot of things get covered. like. They don't always talk about the children that don't know how to read mm. and the children that um, don't have an ID. Mm. The levels get buried. There's so many of them. Mm. So that's why I'm for trauma specifically because mm-hmm. I don't want to s- stand on something that isn't broad enough. You witness children not reading and you witness those things. Were you one of them? No, I, my father was for education. Okay. So I got my GED within the first two years after I left. Is there liberality within the families of a father if he's practicing uh, the principle and he has his, can he say, well, you know, we're going to be a little bit more liberal. My children can do this or that within reason. Within reason. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes the church used to get up and say, we want everybody to go on a project. And then the father was kind of eliminated Mm. because it was the higher authority over him. Mm. But... Um, a lot of times it is the parents that make most of the detailed decisions mm-hmm. where they say, well, 
we need we need sometimes it was one just one child mm. we need the girl in the family to take care of the younger siblings and all these things so they get pulled out of third grade but the boys are all getting their education wow it 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 depends on the parents a lot. Does your focus on activism toward trauma uh, lean more toward the girls? No. No? Okay, just children in general. Yeah, okay. mostly children. I think if you focus on the children, you can sort out the rest of the picture. Got it. If you don't focus on the kids and what they're going through, like I believe Warren Jeffs has twisted the whole thing where he can't do wrong. Hmm. And all these leaders kind of think that. They can't do wrong. God would strike them down if they were going to do something wrong. Mm -hmm. But the children have to carry the weight a lot of times, I think. Because if, like Warren Jeffs, do, do you want to go into why he's in jail and stuff? Not yet. Okay. That's part two. Oh. We've got to get all these people to come back. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, he, he twisted it around so that the children um, were not always innocent. And out here in the world, I call it the outside world, but it's, mm -hmm. it actually means people that weren't raised in mm -hmm. like a cult. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just people that are, I can't remember the exact wording. I'm, I'm going through coaching sessions. I'm not a professional speaker yet, but I'm getting there. They're wonderful. <laughs> so um, the children out here, when you get out of this confined mentality, then they're always innocent. You know, they're always considered more like innocent because their brains aren't developed until they're 25. Mm. And they have like this whole system where juvenile and they're not judged as much and things mm. like that. Where in these, in, especially in the FLDS, I can speak mostly to the FLDS because that's my experience. They judge them as, as if they're adults at eight years old. They don't have this, the choice of juvenile. Unbelievable. Uh, I just want to point out to our audience that, uh, you know, what Brielle is talking about, of course, is at a polarized extreme, you know, where, you know, the, the prophet is right. And if you if you don't follow him, you know, you'd be struck dead, things like that. But we are talking about variations of this throughout most religions. Mormonism proper or Brigham Young's Mormonism, North Temple Mormonism. It's the same thing. When the brethren speak, the thinking's been done. It goes on in your churches with your pastors. I've made the decision. Don't question my authority. It's, it's in religion. And so we're talking about an extreme here uh, where there's tr a tremendous amount of suffering. But that suffering goes all the way down to the end of the road. Somehow, when men think that they can insert, or women, insert themselves between the individual and God. So 13, new wife in the house. How did you react to that? 13-year-old girls, you girls are pretty sharp. I've got three of you. And man, you guys are, you're sneaking behind doors and you're listening to stuff. <laughs> you're, you're tricky. You're tricky at 13. Yeah, I, I liked it. <laughs> I thought it was great. You did? Why? <laughs> because I had this problem with being um, at 13. You kind of think that working isn't that great. Right. So... Um, my second mother, she um, would always stay in her room. She didn't like participate in the family very well. Hmm. So if I knocked on her door, she would always let me in. Hmm. And so I didn't have to participate in the work. 
Wow. Oh. <laughs> so it's like an outlet for me. I, I thought you were going to say was she great. was doing all the work and you didn't have to. No, <laughs> she was lazy. Well, she just didn't, she didn't think it was her, her work. It was, it was because it, she didn't have any kids ever. Got it. She oh, never I see. did. So I see. they weren't her kids. And so why should she, but she did work in like, like help financially a lot later on. But when she first came, she was scared and you know, all that. And I was like, I heard things, you know, I listened to people talk and, you know, they weren't all in favor of it. You know, we were trying to sort things out, but I thought it was great. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I was like, this is my outlet. <laughs> I can go and nobody can get so after me. So would you converse me. with her? You guys were friends? Yeah, we would talk a lot. Awesome. Mm. Hours. Huh. Um, she was usually on my side. Mm. She could see my point of view quite mm -hmm. a bit and that was different for me. Mm -hmm. Then my father was really quiet, really shy. He didn't really, he didn't really uh, talk a lot. But mm -hmm. he, you could tell he, he was steady. He always was steady, mm -hmm. and he had a lot of love. Mm -hmm. You could feel that he cared, but he didn't talk a lot. Um, my mother, she had a really interesting character to me, mm -hmm. where a lot of people didn't see it because she would present herself different then she managed things a lot. But in my point of view, we had a harder time <laughs> than my mother. So when, I, when my second mother was really nice to me and saw my point of view and took the time out for me, I thought that was great. That's, that's interesting. How old age difference between your second mother and, and first mother? Do you know? Um, I don't know for Do sure. Do you know how old she was when she joined uh, in marriage with your dad? father she was 18 i believe because so you're yeah. 13 she's 18 it's almost like a sister yeah hmm. it wasn't it wasn't that much different than me in age um it was you know but it wasn't um when i yeah my mother probably saw that as a threat mm -hmm. too so that probably complicated my relationship with my real mother more than helped it isn't that just, a, is that one of the things, because it's a higher principle, that women are supposed to overcome, is that jealousy? Yeah, and they're supposed to be completely submissive and rejoice and stuff toward each other, and they can never express. I'm sorry, I'm smiling. <laughs> they can never express. <laughs> when you say rejoice, I'm like, rejoice in my new wife. <laughs> rejoice. I can see my wife right now. Honey, she's 18, she's, she's hot. Rejoice. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I mean, can, they, can you really expect that from a woman? Well, that's what they taught. So it was like... Did it work? Did you see it work? No, I didn't see it work. Wow. But I knew what they taught because I had been indoctrinated since, you know, first grade. I was in Alta Academy having Warren Jess as my principal. And so I knew the rules and stuff, but it wasn't working. Mm. I could see it wasn't working. Mm. But in my mind, I kept thinking, you know, as a child, I thought, you know, maybe we just need to go talk to Warren Jess, you know, because he's the principal. Maybe he's going to fix everything. But my father protected me in that. He did mm. not go and talk to Warren Jeffs about everything. Mm. <laughs> and that was a protection, but I didn't know that at my age. At your age 13 on up, before you reach 18, were you a questioner? Were you like your dad a little bit more? I was always very analytical. Wow. Very. Uh -huh. I figured that my father didn't go and ask. I knew he didn't ask all the time. 
And I, I figured that there was a way to ask all the time. Mm. But when I went into marriage and I figured out so much more stuff, I was like, oh, no wonder why my father, because he knew way more than I did. I see. So I figured it out later, but it was my mistake. Did you have any rebellious moments in those teen years? Did you ever sneak it and go out to a movie or grab a smoke? And Not me. I you were analytical, like but you weren't rebellious. <laughs> I was so in tune with God. You know, I, 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 really, I really wanted to please Heavenly those Father. over me and God. I really loved God a lot. Like I would go and listen to trainings all the time. I was, I was kind of like in between two girls, hmm. so I didn't have a lot of friends. Mm-hmm. And I just spent my time weeding all day or folding laundry all day, and I was totally fine with that because I would, I just knew God knew everything. Hmm. I didn't need to study that hard. You know, I just figured God will take care of it. God will take care of it, you know, all the time. Can we talk about that little segment um, just briefly now of God? At that age and at your period in life, were you considering him God, Heavenly Father, Father in Heaven? Where was Jesus in the mix? Heavenly Father. Where was Jesus in the mix? Same as LDS Proper doctrine, elder brother, spirit, all that? Um, Jesus is, yeah. yeah. The, the, it's complicated. Mm-hmm. It's like they have a Godhead thing. and So Jesus is, is the older brother, and he also comes to sacrifice for everyone. Mm-hmm. So he um, becomes like younger or whatever not really younger but he he comes down and so michael is like over um so michael's the one that came and suffered in the garden of eden Mm. and jesus even though he was the older brother he came down to help him it's really complicated so their uh their view of christ and things are different than uh what the main branch teaches. Well, it's very much um, Warren Jeff's interpretation. Okay. Everything is. By the time I came in, everything. He compiled all the Leroy Jeff's books. He compiled all the Roland Jeff's books. He had his own whole slew of trainings because he was a principal. So every morning we had to be there at 8 o'clock in the morning to listen to just church history. We didn't have any regular history. It was all... We had a two hours during each school day where it was just church history and then what they called a devotional, like a morning, morning class. Amazing. And it was all Warren Jeff's interpretations of everything. Yeah, isn't it always the man's interpretation of everything? Uh, question, do you know if the author- local authorities ever like came and knocked on the door at the house in Sandy or went to the academy and, excuse us, um, do you have a license for all these wives? I mean, did they? Well, I know in 1953, then they, it was way before I was born, but they talked about that a little bit in our church history, where it was in Colorado City where the local authorities went there and mm. raided. Mm. They called it a raid. We call them now attempted rescues mm. because we've learned so much mm. more, and it's all publicized now, where before everybody would join because they didn't know all the stuff, and they can look it up now on the internet. Um, so in 1953, a lot of 
children and ladies were taken away mm. for several years. And they were all spread out in Phoenix and all over. And then Leroy just won a court case saying that they couldn't do that legally. Mm -hmm. And they were gathered back. Mm. And, um, and then in the Texas attempted rescue, mm -hmm. then that was just in 2006 Six. or something. Um, that one was huge too. And then in the Supreme Court or whatever in Texas, the children were returned. So. Uh, and just to throw this out, because it's on my mind, do you think uh, uh, plural marriages should be uh, against the law? Um, I think that I don't like to talk about polygamy mm. because it's a blanket covering, I think. Mm. And I can't get to the other traumas because people talk about that too much, <laughs> I think. <laughs> so, I, that's just my opinion. So you don't even want to address the plural marriage side. Because it obfuscates your need to get to the kids. And get to the other traumas that are just as important as okay. that topic. I respect your resistance. I'm going to just ask one follow-up question. Would you think that by in addition, additionally addressing plural marriage, which is part of the problem with the suffering of the kids, yeah. or do you not see the connection between the two? I see the connection really clear, but I'm not going into polygamy, but I... I, I see that like the Stockholm syndrome and all of that stuff is leading up to all of these other problems. And if we don't address Stockholm syndrome, then how are we supposed to get to, you know, the fact that there's this polygamy, you know? Got it. So that's how I see it. I, I know in my book, because my book is, I'm writing a book and it will be out in like November of this year is what we're awesome. aiming for. And um, I have a lot of things that are more like um, trying to reframe the thinking so that people can come out of that Stockholm Syndrome. Mm -hmm. And I like to focus on solutions. So you're uh, being much more strategic in this, and that's good. Because what has been in the past, what I was just relating to is, well, what do you think of this, you know? But you're saying, no, I've been in it. I know what to do. This is the way to go about it. That's how I see it. I love it. Good <laughs> for you. I mean, it was the same thing I thought when it came to addressing Mormonism. Why try to get people out of the Mormon church? Let them stay. Just uh, let's talk to them about Jesus. People had it, went ape over that one. Oh, no, you can't do that. But if you don't rewrite the way it's been done in the past, you're never going to see anything change. Yeah. Good for you. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Uh, do we have a working title yet? I do, but I can't, can't disclose it yet. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Sarah, I look forward to that. We'll have to push it here on the show. Yeah. All right. So teenage years, you go through the academy. My sister and my brother were pretty wild. They were wild. Yeah. How so, do you define that in a? Well, in the religion, we, it was a point in marriage. Everything was a point in marriage. By the time I came, it was really strict. Like you couldn't even look at a boy, hmm. and. You know, you had to be so, they separated the boys and girls in school at fourth grade. Wow. They, they were so strict about it. And then overnight, when you get married, you're just supposed to be a wife all of a sudden. So let's stop there for a second. So they separate you at fourth grade, girls and boys. There's all this, it's for Talk about, they're, they're a snake. They're like poison to you. Boys? Boys are. Because if, if they take you away, if they take you... 
uh, if they date you or something or flirt with you or anything like that, then they are distracting from your salvation because oh. only the leader has the right. He actually taught, his quote was, the Lord gives the best to those who leave the choice to him. Whoa. But he was the prophet when I turned 18. Wow. So leaving the choice to him, I, I don't agree with that anymore at all. Right. <laughs> wow. So they're saying the boys are snakes. Were they uh, really down on sexual thoughts? Were they down on... Yeah. Anything. Anything that had, that had to, to do, do with sex. Yeah. Verboten. Forbidden. No. It had to come from the appointed leader or... It wasn't right. And when you say had to come from, you mean that Jeff's had to say, you get to have sex with him. Boom. Yep. Wow. And, and then you had a choice. Like their choice was pretty much like yes or no. And if you say no, you get a punishment. What kind of punishment? Well, they're all different. You, you don't know what all of them are going to be. You kind of have to choose a route and find out. <laughs> it's like I, I describe it like standing on a cliff and they're not addressing the cliff. And saying, which way do you want to jump off? You know, no or yes. But both of them are pretty much punishment, you know. Wow. So that's how I address it. Okay. So separated. So in school at the academy, you don't even see boys? Or are they, they passing through the hall sometimes? They had a junior high. So when they had another building that the boys went to. And we would see them out playing sometimes and stuff. But, and in the meetings, they had them like classes the boys would sit on one row the girls so one like you didn't see him at all uh -huh. it's just as time went on it got more strict so like in texas they had all the boys would sit in front and then the girls would sit back hmm. and you were had your eye on god and so you were really trying to please him you wanted to do everything right so you weren't one of the girls who were sneaking in a note to the other girl saying isn't bobby jones really no cute? i wasn't one of those i was the tattletale Oh! <laughs> That's awesome! They teach you to tattle on people that so are doing things. Right like now, that. we possibly could have a rebellious girl watching the show when she shouldn't be saying, That witch snarked me out when I was 13. Well, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, um,. Uh, and then you go through high school or, and you get through the academy. It's not accredited. Now 18 comes around. Tell us what happens here. Anything else in those years before we get to 18 oh. that you want to bring out on the show? Uh, let me think. I know there was something that crossed my mind that you hadn't talked about. It was... Um, I don't. You mentioned your rebellious brother and sister. How did they manifest their rebellion? Oh, yeah. They, um, they would do those things, like sneak things and stuff. I would have loved to have been in that as a teenager. I would have been scamming on the girls behind the barn. and. <laughs> but the no punishments barn. were really severe. You could be kicked out oh. forever um, That's and lose your severe. family and everything. Like, so it's no have. joke. It's not a joke. Yeah. But I um, would be hauled around with them all the time so mm -hmm. i i didn't like it and i would actually tattle to my parents but my it stopped there mm -hmm. so it made it really complicated because mm. they didn't take it to jeff's right and so when i went into his family 
they couldn't see the clear lines. Got it. And so it made it really hard for me, even though I was in this high family, supposed to be this, like, the best family. I didn't really have a chance. <laughs> it was, it just, you know, it wasn't really mm. uh, very exciting to me. I didn't really want to go into that family mm -hmm. for a lot of reasons. So what happened at 18? So when I turned 18, then um, my... Uh, father came into the kitchen one day I was making dinner my back was to him and I heard my mother scream no and so I turned around and he had a flushed face and he said let's go on a drive and so I went on the drive and he drove me to Warren Jess <gasps> yeah my mother didn't get to come he was already running from the law it was a really sad day wow and I didn't really want to go into the marriage but I didn't see anything else like I had to choose my route so I said yes but I didn't know which you know I didn't want to take the punishment definitely route how was the offer presented to you well because I'd been so indoctrinated and knew so much about there was like three options that he could take one of them was he would just tell you who to marry one of them was that he would ask you if you had any impressions from God. And I had felt that I was groomed. So I, I was really scared because I knew enough to know that my childhood, so I had some significant things happen when I was really little. And um, so I knew that if I did go into his family, I wouldn't be treated good, hmm. even though it wasn't my fault. But I didn't think I would be treated good. So... Um, so he could ask you what your impressions were, he could tell you, or he could like, even put you through more stuff, which would be like to go and find somebody and come and ask him if it's the right person. Mm -hmm. So there were like three things, and if you um, lie to him, then he told us the results of each one. So if you lie, like if he asks you if you have an impression and you say no, then it better be the truth, or you get an automatic punishment. Mm -hmm. If you say yes, then he decides after that. So in my case, I had a lot of nightmares that I was going to be asked my impression. Mm. And um, when I went in there, that's exactly what happened. Mm. And I just, I didn't know what to say because I knew I had been groomed. And I knew that if I said no, then it would be an automatic punishment because he was the one that groomed me and he would know that he groomed me and that I was lying. It's unbelievable. So. This is unbelievable. So I just, I said, I'm wondering if I was supposed to go into this family with my sister, because I had a sister already in his family. And he just said, yes, you have a strong testimony of God and all this stuff. So he verified it, which was his choice. He could have said, no, that's wrong. But I was like, hmm. you know, I was terrified, but. So your dad, soft-spoken, a good man, uh, more liberal than mom, he had the onus to put you in the car and drive you over to Warren Jeff's house. Well, he was, he knew that if he didn't do that, he would lose his family. I see. I like, he would lose my mother and all of, and I was 18. I wasn't underage anymore. He protected me as long as he could. Did you know what he meant when he said, let's take a drive? 
Did you I, know you I had heard rumors of stories that around that same time frame of other people that had similar experiences. So I, I didn't go grab my wedding dress, but I thought in my mind, you know, if I do, what's going to happen? You know, I didn't know. But I knew that my mother knew already because she had seen him like nine times or something before me. All my sisters and brothers were married. And so she interpreted it that way also. Hmm. And so then my siblings would find out pretty fast. I see. So I just exited. I, I, you know, I was like, you know, whatever. So you went to his house. The proposal was made. The, the impressions were questioned and it all came out good. And what happened after that? Well, it wasn't all good. I went into shock. So after he verified that my nightmares had happened and that he was in, that he really had groomed me, I went into immediate shock. And, and, and I didn't respond very well after that. Like I just was in a fog. And so they did do a ceremony and I said yes and everything, but that's all I had to say. And then he sent my father out and he, um, tried to get me to do some stuff and I wasn't responding. I just was in a fog and I just like stared because that's what happens when you go into shock. And he said, well, you need, he called my father back in and sent me back to my father's house for two weeks. Mm. Uh, I went there and um, I kind of came out of it when I went there because everybody, it was my familiar zone. Mm -hmm. But I, he told me not to go back to school where I was teaching school, and he told me not to leave the house and all that stuff. WJ so, told you. Yeah. Right. Uh -huh. But he told my father, gave him counsel what I can do and what I can't do hmm. after that because I'm, he was running from the law, so now I'm like high profile. Mm -hmm. And so I, I just went home, and he told us we couldn't even tell the family. So we went home and everybody was like, are you married? And I said, I just laughed at him. I, didn't, I couldn't say anything, so I just laughed at him. Mm. And so, uh, most of them decided that I was married. Mm. There was a few that, mm. there was at least one that said. Mm. No. The sister that was married to him before you, she's older, old, an yes. older sister. And uh, she, is she still married to him? She's... She's probably not. I don't know for sure because I think I've heard rumors that he sent them all away mm. and told them they needed to qualify again. Mm. I don't know. I, I, I know she's still FLDS, mm -hmm. but they've been punished for some reason. Mm. I think only one of them isn't or something like that. Uh, and just to jump ahead just quickly, are you in touch with your sister, with, with your uh, mother's? Are you in touch with your dad? Are they still alive? Um, my father got kicked out one week after I escaped. And my mother's still in the FLDS. And I haven't seen her for like seven years. Mm. Um, my father, he's always kind to me. He doesn't mm. blame anything on me. He says, no, it wasn't your fault. I'm like, I think it was. But what did you what think could have we do different? Um, that I escaped. And he got kicked out? And he got kicked out. So I think they wouldn't have blamed whatever they blamed on him mm. if I hadn't have escaped. But he thinks they would have. So Are you but that's nice of him. Touch with any of the siblings? Yeah, I have uh, two brothers out. I have like three brothers now. 
they're slowly more coming out. And I have about four nephews. Mm -hmm. My father had 60 grandchildren before, before I escaped. Wow. So even though he had 14 children only, he had 60 grandchildren. So, so you went home for two weeks, came out of the shock, did you go back with your dress or was the ceremony already performed? He told me that I could only bring a certain amount of clothes because I was going on a long drive. And um, my sister came and got me and then we went to Texas. Hmm. So I, I went to Texas and one of the big parts in my story is that I, I, um, I went and stayed at Warren Jeff's house in Colorado City for a short time after I went to Texas. I was still not cooperating like he wanted me to. So he sent me to his house in Colorado City. I was there for like four months. The reason why that's significant is because later on in my story, then I went back and got his house. And I sold it in a lease to own option to a crisis house. Yeah. Nice job again. <laughs> that is awesome. Wow. So that's now called the Dream Center. Wow, fantastic. You're yeah. a fighter. Good for you. Yeah, it was pretty bad for me. So I was like, this can't happen. So he was on the lamb from the law when you married him. But yeah. you were, did you, was he on the FBI's 10 most he wanted? He wasn't on the most wanted. Yeah. I've had people ask me that and I get caught sometimes because I'm like, he was running from the law. Yeah, he was running from the law, but he wasn't on the top 10 yet. I see. But he was still a figure they were looking for, a fugitive. And yet, we, did you travel with him to Texas in a vehicle? He met us some halfway or something, <coughs> but not at the first. <coughs> so he was your principal. He was a mentor. He was a teacher. Then he became your husband. What did you think of him as a man before he became your husband? Before I only heard his trainings, and his trainings are pretty loving. Like if you, they're monotone. They're not great. But they are loving, but boring. Yeah, he has. He talks about persuasion through love quite a bit, and all this stuff. But he doesn't live all that. Ah. And you don't know that unless you get to know him. Got it. And he had a whole different way of interpreting. Like my parents had a pretty good hold on how I interpreted things. Mm -hmm. And yeah, he didn't have that same view. Hmm. He was way more harsh. Can so you give us harsh. An like, um, like, like the children being judged at eight years old and things. He was so, he was so like determined that if anybody else question, you know, like if they got into curiosity as children, hmm. then they would be judged as an adult hmm. and they would lose blessings and all kinds of things when he found out. Mm -hmm. But he could do all kinds of crap, you know? Mm, yeah. Hypocrisy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It was really, it was really hard for me to see. I see. Like I, I, I really struggled with a lot of things and I wasn't supposed to question and I wasn't supposed to ask. And I, I was so rebellious. I became more and more rebellious. Mm when I started to see that it wasn't working. I see. And that was at 18 and beyond? Yeah, 18 okay. and beyond when I started to wake up. Because I had, 
I didn't go through somebody anymore. It was Warren Jeffs and me. It wasn't like I had bishops and people that he allowed to be in our life because I'm like his wife. I didn't have this filter of somebody else there. And so I saw it firsthand. And I was like, this is not okay. Wow. That is really, really intriguing. We are almost out of time. See how quick it goes. <laughs> yeah. You've got such a great story and a great way about you. We, next week, because you've agreed to come join us again, if we can find us again, we'll stand out in the street. <laughs> um, uh, we'll continue on. We can start learning all about the marriage and then what you observed. And then the, your, I'm not going to even say the stuff that goes on. I do want to touch on one thing. It may be too sensitive, but... You know, you read body language. You said that going into that marriage, you knew you wouldn't be treated equally because of some events that happened in your childhood. Right. Those childhood things, what could happen in a child's life that would make them not as... As worthy. Yeah. Because I was a victim as a child when one of my brothers... I see. Got too close, so... And so your brother, uh, he made you less worthy. Yeah. And the other mother, the other wives? I felt that way anyway. It wasn't like it was all spoken. The other wives didn't know this? The other wives, they weren't in my family. They didn't know anything about it. But it wasn't just me. So I didn't feel like I could hide it. I see. So um, I knew he was going to find out. I didn't know when he would find out. But either way... I wasn't going to be as accepted I see. because he doesn't accept that, you know, he's, he doesn't accept that. Yeah. He's, mm. he's so strict and he's so chauvinistic, you know, like he can do anything, but yeah, I, I kind of, yeah, I, I just, yeah, just, I, I wasn't, yeah, my story is really complicated, so I, I want to write it in my book really bad because I can go through all these details like really in depth sure. and explain how I can be a victim and yet still not be so loaded with information mm -hmm. because there were specifics. Mm -hmm. You know, there was a lot of things. It wasn't bad. My experience wasn't that bad, but mm -hmm. it, 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 the side effects of that kind of an experience are so great, and that's one sure. of my traumas that I want to help with is because the side effects of that are so huge. Well, it seems like anything in that environment, anything that happens that's out of the ordinary would just be exacerbated and just become a gigantic event in your psyche in that Petri dish of pressure with that whole thing. So that makes total sense. Yeah, and also because most of his wives came from really well-known families. And my family, like my father, my grandfather, that did have the longest history in the church, got kicked out when I was 13. Mm. And then my other one was a convert. So it was like even a miracle that I even went into his family. I see. It wasn't a common thing. We're going to talk more about this hierarchy stuff, family, who is the right family, the right mix. We're going to talk about your personal uh, revelations as being close to Warren Jeffs and seeing what he was like versus what he taught. We're going to talk about how you dealt with it, how long you were with him, what you thought of the marriage, what uh, if you were in touch with the other people then, now, the escape, which is fascinating, I'm sure. And then, of course, uh, always, I also want to hear about your, your husband now and want to hear about your cause and, uh, and everything that you're doing so that we can help promote that. 
But I really appreciate you coming and taking the time, flying up here from St. George and, uh, and being with us tonight. So thanks so much, Brielle. Thank you. We'll see you all next week here on Heart of the Matter. Bravo. Great job. Thank you. Really great job. Thank you so much. Thank you.